0: It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S.A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz.
1: Welcome to the show. I went duck hunting this week, and I'll tell you what, I had high hopes. The reason why? We had a weather front push through, and we had like 40-mile-an-hour winds and cold weather, and I was thinking to myself, man, it has been so calm and so mild that this is definitely going to push some birds down into our area. The area in question, that'd be the Columbia Basin of eastern Washington, where I get to hunt on a fairly frequent basis. As a matter of fact, this is my seventh hunt of the season. Went out with my best friend and a couple of other friends, and we shot a grand total of one duck. I got one golden eye. That was it. One of the other guys hit and lost, a uh, greenhead mallard. And the birds just weren't there like that we thought they were going to be, and they just weren't flying like we thought they were going to be. So there you go. That's why it's called hunting instead of harvesting. But having said that, still a great time being out with my best friend and my other buddies out there in the duck blind, and there's always next time because we've still got a couple of weeks left in the season. This week on the show, we've got some great guests for you. One of them is Jerry Audette, he hails from Massachusetts. He is an absolute striped bass surf fishing maniac. And he is the man behind the Surfcasters Journal. He publishes that digital magazine every other month. He also has got a comprehensive Surf Scenarios Seminar Series available for you that will definitely make you into a better striped bass angler fishing from the surf. We'll talk to Jerry more about this in just a few minutes. Another guest we'll talk to today, also on the fishing front, is Ty Al. Now, Ty is a tournament bass angler. He started out on the West coast and now he fishes the Major League Fishing invitationals and he's doing pretty good and I think you're going to really enjoy our conversation with how he got into tournament fishing and how he went all in with Major League Fishing in the last couple of years Following that, we're going to catch up with Eric Maynard. He is with the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. And this weekend, they are wrapping up their 2024 Big Squirrel Challenge. And this is a two-day affair designed to get folks out in the woods squirrel hunting. Those that do weigh in a limit of three squirrels. And the heaviest weights in regions throughout the state win silver and gold medals. There's even a statewide leader, too. As a matter of fact, the statewide leaders in the different divisions actually win an Umerich Air Rifle. And somebody who participates is going to win a two-day stay at a, at a resort in Arkansas. This sounds like all sorts of fun. Can't wait to tell you more about it when we talk to Eric Maynard and maybe some of you out there can get a hold of your state DNR or Fish and Wildlife agencies and encourage them to do something similar. Because squirrel hunting is a great way to get more folks in the sport. Which is something we need because anti-hunters are at it again with a brand new trick up their sleeves. From Field and Stream, we learned that an anti-hunting group is buying up millions of dollars worth of commercial hunting permits in Canada. The group in question is the Rainforest Conservation Coalition, and they have purchased the exclusive rights to guide non-resident hunters in a huge swath of British Columbia's Great Bear Rainforest. If you're thinking the group's going to be guiding any hunters anytime soon, though, well, don't count on that. They may offer some guided trips, but it looks like you're probably not going to have a successful experience unless you just want to watch the bears. That's something you're going to be promoting instead. And the whole idea for the Rainforest Conservation Coalition to purchase this massive outfitting lease, known in Canada as a guiding tenure, is a way to lock non-resident hunters out of the area and stop non-residents from hunting. The outfitting lease covers 18,000 square kilometers, or roughly 4.5 million acres. And Raincoast actually purchased this operation from the estate of a legitimate hunting outfitter who recently passed away. It reportedly cost the organization nearly $2 million to acquire the tenure, which comes with the infrastructure needed to run a successful guiding outfit, like cabins, base lodges, boats, planes, and ATVs. According to Raincoast's website, they received 700 individual contributions from around the world that allowed them to make the acquisition, including substantial support from a U.S.-based outdoor apparel company. I checked the Raincoast Conservation Foundation's website and found out the company in question, Patagonia. That's right, apparently they are anti-hunting, or at least they certainly are partnering with an anti-hunting organization here. Getting back to the article from Field and Stream, they quote Scott Ellis, the executive director of the Guide Outfitters Association of British Columbia. He told Field and Stream that Raincoast motives for buying up the hunting tenures is simple. They want to curtail legal hunting activities inside the Great Bear Rainforest. Raincoast claims not to be an anti-hunting organization, but in Ellis's words, they act like an anti-hunting organization, and they talk like an anti-hunting organization, and they were behind the closure of grizzly bear hunts throughout the province in 2017, and they've been buying guide territories for 20 years. According to Ellis, B.C.'s 2017 ban on grizzly hunting greatly reduced the commercial value of those guide territories in southern B.C. because The area was a popular destination for non-resident grizzly bear hunters. And those foreign hunters make up a substantial portion of the guides' and outfitters' revenue stream. So what's Raincoast going to offer instead? As we said earlier, it looks like it's going to be bear viewing over bear hunting. If you want to find out more details, go to fieldandstream.com and check out this article. Next, we've got some updates from Southwick Associates. They do a lot of work when it comes to reporting on fishing and hunting trends. And one thing they're looking at is angler participation in the first half of 2023. Southwick Associates polled state fisheries agencies regarding fishing license sale trends. Specifically, they asked about the percent change in resident and non-resident license sales between 2022 and 2023 overall, and 2023 versus 2022 for the first half of each year. According to data from 24 states, fishing license sales were reported to have dropped an average of 6.3% overall in 2022 compared to 2021, with all states reporting decreased sales. For January through June of 2023, sales increased 1.3% compared to the first half of 2022, with 16 of 24 states reporting increases in license sales. This comes after license sales dropped 6% in 2021, from 2020's historical high, which, as you will recall, was the height of COVID, a time when a lot of folks were taking up fishing. Southwick Associates also asked the question what's the 2024 outlook for fishing and hunting? And it comes down to economics. If the economy dips into a recession, which is looking less likely, participation will still be high. As seen in past recessions, our core audience typically works fewer hours rather than losing employment, allowing more time to head outdoors. And they still have money. In such times, they will fish, hunt, and shoot more often. On the other hand, when the economy is overheated, people have extra money to purchase high-end items but less time to participate. A recession could happen, and if it does, Southwick and Associates think it will be mild. Unemployment will climb, at least in the first half of 2024, but remain within healthy level. That means our hunters, anglers, and target shooters will still have time to participate in the sports they love. Finally, it is January, and that means ice fishing season is in full swing. But from target walleye, we learned that, that at the Great Lakes, there was a record low for ice cover on New Year's Day. On January 1st, scientists recorded the average ice cover across all five bodies of water at just 0.4% an all-time low for the day since researchers began officially measuring Great Lakes ice cover in 1973. Lake Huron, Lake Erie, and Lake Ontario were completely devoid of ice, while just 0.1% of Lake Michigan was covered on the first. Lake Superior had ice covering a whole 1% of its surface area. December was certainly mild through much of the country. We'll see what January brings us in terms of more ice. Stick around. We've got a great conversation coming up with Jerry Audette about surf fishing for stripers right after this short break. Telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason they are the only Alaska lodge we talk about in this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales. And let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing. Halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge.
2: We love our children, we protect them, we guide them, we prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstances, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the darkest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference. That's huntofalifetime.org.
1: John Cruz here looking to improve your bottom line as a business that caters to outdoors enthusiasts. You can do so for a very cost-effective price by advertising on America Outdoors Radio. I will tailor a marketing campaign for you reaching hundreds of thousands of listeners every weekend tuning into our show on 135 stations in 33 states. We've got a sponsor opening right now so contact me through my website at americaoutdoorsradio.com and let's talk about helping you. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We are taking you to Massachusetts. That's where we get to talk to Jerry Audette. He is the man behind the Surfcasters Journal, managing editor for it. And if you want to learn how to catch striped bass from the surf, he's got something for you. It's the Surf Scenarios Seminar Series. It's available right now. Jerry, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me, John. Really appreciate it.
1: So before we get into the seminar series and the journal, let's talk a little bit about your transformation into, you know, they have trout bums over on the west coast and in BC and Alaska. I guess you've kind of become a striped bass bum fishing from the surf, haven't you?
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. There's definitely a few of us over here who become, for lack of a better word, addicted to the striped bass fishing. And it seems like the surf guys have it the worst. There's something about fishing that really gets under your skin, it really gets in your blood, and uh, it ruins your life. (laughs) (laughs) Or I guess maybe a better way of saying it is it really makes your life. And that's honestly probably what it's done for me. I was a research scientist before this. I have an advanced degree, biomedical degree. And, you know, fishing was always a passion of mine. I fished a lot as a kid for trout and smallmouth bass. But, man, once I started fishing for stripers and surf. It was like I found something really special, and I made it my whole life now, and my vocation and avocation have become the same thing. Now, stripers are my everything. I write about them, I shoot photography of them, and, you know, I teach about them. And that's become my entire life, basically.
1: Wow. Well, let's talk about the Surfcaster's Journal. Is this an online magazine?
3: Yeah, sure. So Surfcasters Journal, we're actually about to put out our 82nd edition. I'd like to say that we were, we were an online publication before being online was cool. <laughs> we were always online. We've always been online. Uh, you can find it at surfcastersjournal.com. We are completely and totally dedicated to the surf, mostly to striped bass, but we do have a travel column, most editions, where we'll go all over the world. We've covered all kinds of different stuff. But, yeah, we're in our 82nd edition, which I think puts us, like, into our 14th year.
1: Wow. So. SurfcastersJournal.com, how much does it cost to subscribe, and is this a monthly edition?
3: So we do six editions a year, and it's only 20 bucks. So it's 20 bucks for a whole year. It's all online. We have regular columnists. We have uh, all kinds of other articles. We also do exclusive video content. That's one of the beautiful things about being online is you can embed different videos which makes it really interesting because you can integrate a bunch of different kinds of content. You can see a free preview, which is pretty extensive. Every single edition right now on the website, you can see if it's worth it to you as a reader and a viewer.
1: All right. Well, let's turn our attention to the Surf Scenario Seminar Series. It's already started. You've already had your first one. Tell us a little bit about what folks will get if they sign up and pay $119.
3: Yeah, sure. So, Surf Scenarios is in its fourth year, which now that we started means we have Over 900 anglers who have signed up for the series over the last four years. And I like to think about it sort of in three benefits. The first benefit is I do extensive seminars based on specific topics that are very important to the surf angler. And these cover a huge array of things. But I really try to break down the philosophical and the psychological side of surf fishing. And that sounds a little bit weird, but instead of just giving you lists of gear and going through the same old kinds of this is what you fish around this bait or this piece of structure, I really try to dig deeper. When we try to talk about what makes a successful fisherman. How can you be successful? How should you be thinking about the surf? How do you plan for fishing the surf? All of those things that, you know, you don't really get anywhere else.
1: I've got to ask you in terms of the psychological part. I'm a tournament bass fisherman, and I usually out-psych myself. So when when it comes to surf castings and and Mm -hmm. psyching yourself up for success, what are some things you suggest?
3: Well, so it's not just about psyching yourself up, although, frankly, you know, when the surf is up and you're out at night, which is almost all I'm doing is fishing at night, you usually don't (laughs) get yourself psyched up too much because it's so fun and there's so much adrenaline involved. But instead, I think that one of the things that, surf fishermen do wrong is they view the surf and the fish and the environment from a human angle. And instead, we need to really be thinking about it from the fish's angle. So how does our eyesight differ from theirs? How does their lateral line affect how they move and interact with the environment? How does our ability to think sort of flavor the way that we choose a lure or change to a lure or where we cast versus what are the fish experiencing? And that's the psychology that I'm trying to get into. I'm trying to actually break through the human psychology and teach you more about how to think like fish.
1: Very interesting. All right. Now, it's not just you that's providing these seminars. You've got a whole bunch of guests that you've got on too. Who are some of those guests? Yeah, so that's right. So this
3: is the second benefit I really see of the series is that we go into these really extensive, really deep interviews that are far deeper even than a podcast. Some of these interviews have gone over four hours. So they get really deep, and they're very intense. This year, we have some really great anglers. Alberto Nye, a very famous angler. Al Gags, Brendan Richards, uh, which is a local angler to me. And we have some really, you know, these guys are, all of them are very talented, but very unique and very interesting individuals. And that's why I want to talk to them. You know, I mean, these people are guys who are very well-respected, in the surfishing community.
1: How long are each of these seminars?
3: So, the seminars that I give, the more instructional seminars, they range between about two and three hours each. The interviews, they're roughly about the same, two to three hours each. But there's also a full 10-hour long foundational seminar that's pre-recorded, so some of these are live, most of these are live, although they're recorded and anybody can view them at any time as long as you sign up. And that's why it doesn't matter that we've already started when you're hearing this. <laughs> the foundational is pre-recorded and available to everybody, and it sort of gives you the foundations of the things. It's really made for more beginners. It's a lot of gear stuff. It's a lot of this is the basics. These are, you know, the most important things if you don't know them already. So it's a lot of content. i say it's 35 hours, but it's probably more
4: over 40.
1: Well, the bottom line is this. If your New Year's resolution is to become a better Surf angler for stripers. This is for you the Surf Scenarios <laughs> Seminar Series. And the website to go to is indeepoutdoors.com. That's indeepoutdoors.com. Check out everything that's available through the seminar series. Sign up, it's only $119 for all sorts of content. And you will definitely take a very deep dive into the world of surf fishing for stripers. And I have no doubt you'll be a better angler at the end of it. Jerry, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you, John. Next, I want to tell you something I really love about our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. They're a company that cares about people, and their Guns for Great Causes program is the perfect example of this. Henry Repeating Arms announced a donation of 65 custom support for Sammy rifles, and this raised a total of $46,700, all of which is going to benefit the family of 11-year-old Sammy Bernadiskowski of Elk Ridge, Maryland. The money provides relief for the medical expenses she's incurred through treatments for multiple congenital heart defects, which includes five open-heart surgeries. I've got to tell you, Henry Repeating Arms, they've done similar fundraisers with custom-made engraved rifles for kids battling life-threatening medical conditions for years. And it speaks so well of this company that makes all of its rugged, reliable, great-looking firearms right here in America. You can find out more about the Guns for Great Causes program and check out the lineup of lever-action rifles and other firearms from Henry Repeating Arms at henryusa.com. That's henryusa.com. And don't forget to ask for your free catalog and decals while you're there.
4: When you think of WorkSharp knife and tool sharpeners, you probably think of sharpeners for the shop or the field, but WorkSharp has a whole lineup of sharpeners for the kitchen, too. We're talking about everything from easy-to-use manual and electric knife sharpeners to ceramic honing rods, whetstones, and the new Rolling Knife Sharpener, an innovative manual sharpener that will do wonders for your cutlery. Make sure there's never a dull moment in your kitchen. Check out the entire product line and order today at WorkSharpTools.com. That's WorkSharpTools.com. Thank you.
1: Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We're profiling a very well-known bass angler today. His name is Ty Al. He hails from Glendale, Arizona. He fishes the Major League Fishing Invitationals, but he's been fishing tournaments for about 20 years now. Ty, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm like, super excited to be on. You know, Glendale, Arizona, not known as a bass fishing mecca. How did you get into tournament angling? You know, just like many other people, I, I grew up fishing
5: for anything that bit, and uh, was me, my brother and I, we uh, stopped by a tackle shop, we saw that they had a tournament going on, decided to go sign up, and that was, I can't believe it, but that was uh, 24 years ago. Fished a little lake called Patagonia Lake, just about an hour and 15 minutes south of Tucson, and that's where it all started for me.
1: You know, it's funny, I just fished some minor tournaments out here in the Northwest, but You fish a tournament, it's like getting bit by a bug, and it's just, you can't get enough of it once you get bit.
5: Yeah, at this point in my career, I don't know if I still have a fishing problem or a gambling problem.
1: (laughs) That's a very good way to put it. (laughs) Well, you went from fishing local tournaments to fishing the Wild West Bass Trail, which at the time was kind of the West Coast tournament trail for bass anglers, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, looking back
5: on, for a West Coast guy, that was... A time in my career where I made the most money, especially with the Evinroot contingency and all the programs that they had. And, uh man, I mean, we made so much money fishing the Wild West, and the entry fees were low. You got the television exposure. Those were the golden days of West Coast bass fishing, in my
1: opinion. But you were basically, I mean, you were a part-time bass angler at that time. Obviously, you can't support yourself on that tournament trail. Were you uh, an insurance agent? Yeah, I still do insurance. I mean, uh, you know, I try to do as smart as I can. I got two young kids. I got a mortgage
5: to pay. I got a lot of responsibilities and a lot of people depending on me, and... You know, unfortunately, how the sport sits right now, you just have to be smart and have uh, other sources of income. And that's why, you know, my biggest advice for people out there is, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You got to diversify where you're getting your income and choose a career that allows you the freedom to go fish, take care of your family and do all that other stuff and you know just you know for me i'm very fortunate i mean three years ago when i started my business my insurance business i went to become an insurance broker and yeah you don't make a lot of money your first few years of insurance but luckily my sponsors kept me going and then just doing well just enough just you know allowed me to
1: survive that first few crucial years of my career Uh, what kind of insurance do you sell yeah just home auto life insurance what's the insurance agency if people are interested how do they get a hold of you just uh, do a simple Google search. I'm only licensed here in Arizona. You know, I've been doing
5: insurance since 2007. So for me, it was a pretty easy transition to, to go from, I guess, a corporate company or a captive agent, as they call it, to become a broker. Because we were doing a little bit of brokeraging anyway, and I decided just to go off on my own when I jumped on tour and joined the uh, the rodeo, as they call it, right. uh, in so- 2021.
1: Okay, so for all of our listeners tuning in out of Prescott, Arizona today, there's an insurance option for you. Getting back to tournament fishing, you transitioned from the Wild West Bass Trail around 2020 to Major League Fishing. Tell us about this. Yeah, really in 2020, I was fishing both Wild West
5: and the Toyota Series, and I was very fortunate. I had a breakout year, and I finished first at Havasu, 10th at the Delta, and then closing out the year of one at Clear Lake. One angler of the year, decided that, hey, I got to take my shot. Something that I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid, about, you know, 14, 15 years old. And, you know, I got to thank my sponsors because, you know, I called my existing sponsors with three phone calls. I knocked more than half of the entry fees off. So I decided that I was going to take that leap of faith and started my career at Okeechobee. You know, sometimes you got to take a gamble. I took a gamble and jumped off the cliff, see if I can fly, and uh, finished 133rd at in that first event. So that was a wake-up call. It was a very scary point in my life, but we turned that around and finished uh, sixth place at Smith, sixth at Murray, and I really got the ball rolling that year. It, it kind of saved my year just getting back in it right after I fell. But yeah, that was in 2021. Fished the... Pro Circuit, now they call it the Tackle Warehouse Invitational, a few years later, and uh, decided to jump over and fish the Bass Open EQ for the twenty four season.
1: Interesting. All right. Very interesting indeed. You know, anglers tend to have a certain strength with certain techniques. And are you one of those people that relies on forward-facing sonar? Are you a drop shot angler? Are you a crankbait angler? What are your strengths?
5: You know, my strength. Honestly, as as much as I hate to admit it, is just with the good old Yamamoto Sinko. I'm I'm really good at it whenever I choose to throw that bait in any given event, especially during the pre-spawn all the way to the post-spawn. I tend to do very well as long as I'm disciplined enough to fish with it. But other than that, I consider myself a very versatile angler coming from Arizona. You know, here... I don't have a lot of home lakes. I mean, I've never competed on a, a home lake other than Lake Plath. The one time when Wild West came here, their very first event, that was like seven years ago. But I don't have a home lake, have a food at home. The closest thing I have to a home lake is the California Delta, and that's 12 hours away from me. But I try to be versatile, you know, and I think the, the strength outside of throwing a sinker would be just fishing the conditions i'm a nerd when it comes to science i'm a nerd when it comes to reading the barometric pressure and that's what i go by when i make my um you know my decisions as far as when to throw a fast moving bait when to slow down the barometric pressure tells me everything about what i need to be doing out there
1: another question for you you know you basically a west coast angler The transition to fishing in the east, whether it be northeast the St. Lawrence or the southeast, like you said, Lake Okeechobee, it wasn't intimidating at first because I imagine it was pretty foreign. Uh, Yeah, you know, I felt like I
5: had to learn fishing all over again. You know that thing where a bass is a bass is a bass. Well, I can tell you right now, 100% certainty that that is not true. A bass (laughs) acts totally different in Florida, and then you go out on the West Coast compared compare the Florida strain out in the California Delta. They're not the same. They don't act the same. The forage is different. You know, so that was a huge learning curve for me, and what I should have done was fish back east a little bit more prior to putting it all on the line. When I say on the line, I'm, remember guys, I mortgaged my house as, you know, put that into my savings and basically gave myself two years to make it out there. And if I didn't do well, I mean, I, I would have been in a lot of trouble. So, you know, going back there, I was very surprised at how different the fishing is. You know, what they call clear out there is at the very, it's like dirty out here. Right. Okay. So, again, I had a very hard time transitioning from West Coast to East Coast, but I feel like after about two years, I started to get the hang of it. And. You know, East Coast fishing, you do rely on your electronics a lot more. So I do use forward-facing sonar to see if there's fish or activity in the area. And I got to the point now I feel very comfortable understanding and knowing what I'm looking for. And if there's nothing there, I'm quick to leave now. Whereas before, you know, I would just fish the area and just hope for a bite. But now I'm relying on electronics. I'm finding my fish before I even make a catch.
1: Good stuff. Okay, we got 30 seconds left. Quick shout-out to your sponsors that help you live this lifestyle.
5: Yeah, you know, uh, my main sponsor, basically, uh, Yamamoto, Doug Sorley. I just signed Copper State Tackle, which is our uh, huge tackle shop from here in Arizona. That's up and coming. We've got some big announcements to come, so make sure you guys tune in along and, uh, you know, just follow our journey.
1: All right, and you can do so by going to Ty Al's Facebook page. Just look up Ty out Athlete, and you can keep up with what's going on on the tournament trail with Ty. Ty, wishing you the best in 2024, and thanks for making the time today on America Outdoors Radio. All right, thank you so
5: much for having me. I appreciate you guys. Good luck this year.
1: This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. They're the fine folks out of Ashland, Oregon, who make knife and tool sharpeners that you can use whether you're hunting or fishing or camping or maybe in your shop, maybe in your kitchen for all of the knives and tools you need sharpened every day when you work and play. WorkSharp tools can be found online at WorkSharpTools.com or you can find them in sporting goods stores and hardware stores all over our great nation. Just look for WorkSharp products to sharpen your knives and your tools because nothing is worse than trying to get the job done right with a dull blade.
4: Immerse yourself in a complete Alaska wilderness experience through Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Up to six of you will spend a week in a beautiful waterfront log home in a secluded cove. Every day is a new adventure. Go on a guided fishing trip or haul in a bounty of shrimp and crab. Visit a Native American village where totem poles are carved. Go on a whale or bear watching trip and return back to your very own place at the end of the day. Find out more about the Alaska wilderness experience at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com.
1: I'm Anthony Imperado, president of Henry Repeating Arms. Patriotic Americans are looking
3: to protect and provide for their families now more than ever. Henry has over 200
1: rifles and shotguns to choose from. Made in America or not made at all. And backed by a lifetime guarantee. Order a free catalog, decals, and a list of Henry dealers in your area. Go to henryusa.com or call 1-800-958-4993. Thank you and God bless America.
6: Campers, adventure seekers, hunters, and foodies. No matter the lifestyle, we can all agree on one thing. Great food and great people are worth remembering. At Camp Chef, we don't just make grills. We create each product knowing that a warm meal is always better when it's shared with those we love. Learn more about Camp Chef grills, smokers, and portable cooking equipment at CampChef.com. That's CampChef.com for a better way to cook outdoors. Attention small business owners, this could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the employee retention credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit omegataxcredits.com.
1: Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we are taking you to the natural state where the 2024 Big Squirrel Challenge put on by the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission is just wrapping up. What is here to tell you more about it is Eric Maynard. He is the uh, Education Assistant Chief at the Nature Centers in Arkansas. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, tell us a little bit about this event, the Big Squirrel Challenge, and how it works. So the big
0: squirrel challenge is really to get people out and squirrel hunting and hopefully take a friend or some youth. You know, a lot of people get started in hunting, by squirrel hunting or small game hunting. And this time of year, deer season's wrapping up and not everybody has access to waterfowl hunting. So it's a good way to stay out in the woods and keep hunting and stuff. So this is our third year of having a a statewide event it started off as a regional event up in northwest Arkansas and it went over so well we decided to expand it statewide and it's real simple you can hunt in teams of two we like it when we get other people out hunting with us and it's social and and a lot of times teaching people a lot of folks kill their first squirrel on the big squirrel challenge but they can go out uh, they started Friday at noon is when the hunting period starts, and you can hunt until Saturday at noon or until you can get to the weigh-in station. So weigh-in is today Saturday from 12 to 1, so depending on how close you are, you can hunt as long as you can. And as long as you are in line for the weigh-in by 1 o'clock, you can bring in your squirrels, and you don't have to have a full limit. You weigh your three heaviest squirrels between the two of you as a team, and it's in different categories. So we have adult categories and youth categories, and then for adults, we have fox squirrels only and then a mixed bag or gray squirrels only, so that you're not at a disadvantage if you've got a mixed bag or gray squirrel since the fox squirrels are heavier. And then the same thing for the youth, and youth are... Youth teams can either be two kids under the age of 16 or an adult and one youth as a team. So they go out and hunt, bring in their squirrels, and then go to a weigh-in station across the state. We have 12 of them this year, so it's easy for people to find a weigh-in station and weigh your squirrels in whatever category. And then at uh, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, we announce the winners in each category and the weights. And then we give out prizes. You know, if you're a winner in a category at your weigh-in location, you win gold or silver medals. We have door prizes with air guns from Umarex. They sponsored us this year, and we have other prizes that people can win at different locations. And then we also had a donation this year for a lodge stay up around Mountain View, Arkansas. So everybody that brings in squirrels gets. Their name put in the hat for a drawing. Say at this lodge.
1: Yep, and that drawing, folks, uh, that's two nights at the Great Oaks Cabins Lodge outside of Mountain View. That's a two hundred and fifty dollar value. And again, the statewide winners in each category get an Umarex air rifle. And I guess I got to ask: most of the hunters, are they bagging their squirrels using like a four ten shotgun, or a twenty two, or an air rifle?
0: Well, all of the above. I, it's hard to say what they what most of them are using. You know, it's all personal preference. We don't separate that out, so you can hunt any way you want to. A lot of people that are hunting um, with kids, you know, obviously like to use shotguns. gives them a little better advantage. Some people are purely rifles, and we're seeing a lot more people that are getting into air rifle hunting. We also don't break out whether or not you hunt with or without dogs. We did for a year, found out it didn't make a whole lot of difference. So you can hunt with dogs if you want to, or if you don't have squirrel dogs, you know you don't have to. So that way it makes it easy for everybody to get in and hunt. You can hunt on private land or public land. So try to make it as easy as possible. We really want people just to get out and participate. It's always nice at the weigh-ins when you hear the stories or see the pictures afterwards. have a number of people bringing in kids that have killed their first squirrel, and they get a, a first squirrel certificate. And then I, I've heard stories where older guys would come up and say, "You know, I haven't squirrel hunted in seven or eight years, but I, I decided to go squirrel hunting because you were having this event." And the thing is, I mean, there's not a whole lot of variation in the weights of squirrels, so it's not like lots of places have big deer contests and you can measure antlers and you can do all that kind of stuff. Well, can't do that with squirrels. So this was just a fun way to get people out and squirrel hunting. We'll, we'll weigh them, just to see. Uh, You know, what the weights are. Last year, we had some pretty good weights for our area. You know, they vary across the country, but we had uh, a 1-3 squirrel limit was uh, 2,420 grams. Comes out to just under two pounds of squirrel. That was the fox squirrel only. And it was a youth team that won that.
1: I'll be darned. Well, I'll tell you what, the Big Squirrel Challenge, great idea to get folks out hunting, to introduce folks to hunting, and just a wonderful idea. I hope other states follow your lead on this. It's gonna happen again next year, and if you're wondering where those check locations are, they're located in Springdale and Pine Bluff, Mayflower, Jonesboro, Fort Smith, Yellowville, Columbus, Hayes and Batesville, Magnolia, Russellville, and Monticello. And again, it's all put on by the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, it is the Big Squirrel Challenge, and it'll be back next year, too. Eric, thanks so much for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio.
0: Thanks, sir. Appreciate you having me.
1: And now it's time for one of my favorite segments. It's record fish time. From Fox News, we learned that there may be a new Texas state record for the smallmouth buffalo fish. What's a buffalo fish? Well... It's kind of like a carp, but it's not. But let's start off with a story. You see, last year, Kentucky angler Art Weston set four records with one catch, and now he's ready to add another one for the new year. On December 18th, 2023, Weston was joined by Austin Anderson, a fishing guide with Carp Pro Texas Guide Service, who specialized in catching world record buffalo fish. The pair embarked on a trip to Austin, Texas to look for them. Now, the buffalo, according to Weston, is a type of indigenous fish to many parts of the United States that is often confused with carp. But it's actually part of the sucker family and requires specific techniques to fish for them successfully, often with what are called hair rigs. Continuing his conversation with Fox News, Weston said that buffalo fish can grow to well over 80 pounds and live nearly 100 years, so... Weston decided he was going to catch not the biggest fish ever, but the biggest line class. So he went after a buffalo fish using two pound test, which means he had a real struggle on his line when he hooked a 27 pound smallmouth buffalo fish. So, how did Weston land this fish without breaking the line? Well, according to Weston, one trick that he learned fishing light line is you want to use a reel that has a very low maximum drag setting. The technique worked, and they were able to net the fish, they were able to weigh it, measure it, take some pictures, and then release it back into the water. Again, the fish weighing 27 pounds is 10 pounds over the previous record set with 2-pound test line back in 1995. Weston still has to wait for official word from the International Game Fish Association, but he says he followed all the rules, and he's pretty certain that he's going to get that record. Congratulations on your new record. Before we go, let's tell you about some sportsman shows that are going on in the next couple of weeks. Starting this weekend, we can tell you about the Portland Boat Show at the Expo Center in Portland, Oregon. This is a huge boat show when it comes to sport fishing boats between 15 and 25 feet, both fiberglass and aluminum, and that'll continue through Sunday. Another show going on this weekend is the Denver International Sportsman's Expo. That's a big one, also running through Sunday, as is the Bass and Saltwater Fishing Expo in Raleigh, North Carolina, as well as the Bismarck, North Dakota RV and Boat Show. Coming up next week, the Tacoma RV Show in Tacoma, Washington, the Tacoma Dome, takes place January 18th through the 21st. You've got another show in Denver, this one the Fly Fishing Show. That's going to happen at the Gaylord Rockies Resort from the 19th through the 21st. And then the International Sportsman's Expo is moving to Sacramento. The dates for this big show, January 18th through the 21st. There's some more shows going on that week, too. The Richmond Fishing Expo in Doswell, Virginia, is happening from Friday the 19th through Sunday the 21st, as is the Greater Sioux Falls Outdoor Show at Buffalo Ridge, South Dakota, and the St. Joe's Sports Show in St. Joseph, Missouri, January 19th through the 21st. One other show to tell you about a little bit further out is the Washington State Sportsman Show. That takes place in Puyallup, January 31st through February 4th at the fairgrounds, and I will be there with a booth promoting both America Outdoors Radio and our regional show, Northwestern Outdoors Radio. We'll be giving away some swag to some people that are lucky guessers, and I'll even be giving a seminar covering some Places to go fishing in Washington State you might not have thought of, but you're going to love them when you do. You can find out more about that show at thesportshows.com. On that note, it is time to go, but here's hoping you are blessed in the days ahead and that you get outside for some hunting or some fishing or wildlife watching or anything else that trips your proverbial trigger when it comes to being out in nature. After all, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it.